welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 169, Radical Rx, the Anti-Hustle Path to Health, an interview with Ellen Martin coming to you on Thursday, December 12th, 2019. This is a long interview, but I hope that you will take the time and find all of the great nuggets that you can use. I'm talking to Ellen about how she regained health. Um, she started actually before she realized that she had cancer and then all the things that she was doing along the path back to health. There are some great tips here, and I asked her questions coming from the place of a person in health. What of these things can I and should I be doing as an entrepreneur, a business person who is in charge of their own schedule, someone who could but would prefer not to ever go back to 20-hour work days again, because those are the sorts of things that, in my opinion, destroy our health. And Ellen has a lot of agreement on that subject. So regardless of where you're at in your health, there are a lot of things that may be um, new to you or probably just good reminders of things that you need to do to take care of yourself. If you are a writer, an artist of some kind, um, a single person entrepreneur, you are your business you are your most important asset. So even from just a business perspective, you need to take care of the most important asset in your business, and that is you. And some of the things that you need to do are things that you know, but you think maybe you can get away with for a little while. Ellen tried that path. It landed her in a world of hurt, and then she found ways to get through it and come back to health, and then found ways that she could make her business even healthier with her new habits. So regardless of where you're at in your uh, business health and your physical health, I hope that you will listen and really think about what of these steps you could be taking that will help you to become a healthier, happier, more productive, but also more peaceful person in life and in work. I also want to apologize for something, even though it's totally not my fault. There was a website malfunction right before I left on my trip back to the United States. And the two episodes that were scheduled to air on November 28th and December 1st disappeared entirely off of my website, the server. They apparently do not exist anymore. So I am uh, re-uploading them. I'm going to try to actually get them to come up in the order that they were meant to. So hopefully those two episodes will have arrived in your uh, podcast app before this one for December 5th, even though they're all probably going to come out around the same day. Um, in any case, if you are um, wondering what happened to me, have I quit or fallen off the planet or gotten a plane accident? None. None of those things have happened. Uh, it's just one of those things that happens in uh, cyberspace. So I hope that you will uh, give me a break on that and, and not be too concerned that we had the first out of two full years of being a, a podcast. It's the first time I've ever had a show not air on its scheduled day um, on the, uh, the schedule that I have had from the beginning. So um, I'm quite disappointed that, <laughs> that I finally broke my role. But you know what? I need to remember. It's just human. We're just human. I have to remember. I'm just human. I can't be perfect. Doggone it. <laughs> 
And yet another reason to keep on listening to this great interview with Ellen, things that you can do to help yourself to just relax, but treat yourself better, love yourself better. And I have some ideas about things that I'm going to do in the new year to encourage you more. So I hope that you will keep listening and um, join me with some new free things that I may be doing that really are just about encouraging you, encouraging you in whatever it is that you're doing right now. I hope that you are having a great week, that December is treating you well, that you are warm enough if you're out in the sunny southern hemisphere, and that you are keeping yourself in the, uh, the as they say in Sweden, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. That's what I've been told by many Swedes. And after buying some of my outerwear in the place that I now live, I'm like, oh, wow, these clothes are really good at keeping me warm and dry. So I hope that you are having a uh, physically and emotionally good week. I love you and I will talk to you again soon. Here's Ellen. Today's guest is Ellen Martin. Ellen is the founder of Course Launcher HQ and has a background in both information technology and education. This gives her a unique ability to understand clients' needs and plan and implement e-learning solutions that work for your business, both in the short term and long term. Course Launcher HQ is part of the InfoTeam brand, a company that has been around since 1996. They have extensive experience in developing, configuring, and maintaining websites, now with a focus on e-learning WordPress sites. Welcome, Ellen. Hi, Kate. Hello. Glad to be back. I know, right? And it wasn't that long ago. You were just on, let's see, the end of October. Yeah. And such a good time. Had to come back and talk I know, some right? more. It's so much fun. <laughs> Well, you and I love talking to each other, and it was actually at the end of that interview when we had hit the stop button, and you and I were just chatting and catching up, that you had this other kind of really interesting idea, and I was like, oh my gosh, would you like to talk about that on the show? Because I really think that it would be helpful to other people, um, probably people in general, but like right now, we're talking to entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, and people who, for the most part... um, have in many ways full responsibility for their entire life, their schedule and and everything else. Like some people don't have another full-time job where somebody else is telling them what to do and when to do it. So everything's on them. And as one of those people myself, I know that in the past, and I've talked about this on my show a lot, I have put my health way too close to the bottom of the list of priorities. And I ended up getting a very bad case of burnout last year, which has taken me a really long time to get over and I'm not 100% at it yet. So even though your bio totally works for what we were talking about uh, in October, it actually has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about some things that come out of your personal experience. So I'll let you just kind of start at the beginning and fill us in, and then we'll just kind of go from there. All right. Well, I've been in business for 25 years, self-employed, and before that I was in the Navy, which was very regimented, and then I got out of the Navy and immediately became self-employed. I worked a few part-time jobs along the way to, you know, fill in the gaps while I was building a business, but, um, you know, I really went from a very structured environment to do anything you want, when you want, you know, wherever you want, all that kind of stuff, and, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but there's a lot of stress, like you said. Um, yeah. And, you know, some people just aren't cut out for it. And, you know, other people like me, I, I tell people I'm um, not employable because <laughs> trying to go to um, 
to a nine to five job just doesn't work for me. And yeah. there's a lot and of your people resume like would, that. Yeah. Your resume probably wouldn't help you to get a job either. <laughs> you know, that's the thing is that you know, my, it, my uh, skills are so eclectic. You know, they're, I've got the tech skills, e-learning and all that. So it's like, it's a kind of a weird, I don't know if it's a weird mix. It's a great mix for me for what I do, but yeah. Um, yeah, I tried working a job here and there and I just said, nope, can't do it. And uh, stuck with the self-employment. Nice. <clears throat> but, you know, as you were saying, you suffered from some burnout. And in the 25 years, I'd say I've suffered burnout more than once. Oh. And there've been a number of times along the way where I just, you know, I was tired and exhausted and really just burnt out and had to kind of come, come back from that. Yeah. And, and even in the few years that we've been working together, um, there have been times when I've sent you a message from another time zone knowing that you were asleep and you replied right away. And I'm like, what are you doing awake? You're like, well, I just, I'm still working. <laughs> well, and that's the rut that I got into. I would, I would work 10, 12, 15 hour days sometimes. And if I had a project that needed to be done and it wasn't done yet, I'd pull an all nighter. Sometimes I'd pull two all-nighters <laughs> and um, I tell you, it takes its toll. And you've got people out there like Gary Vee preaching hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, you got to hustle and grind and work 20 hours a day, you know, four hours of sleep. Who needs more than four hours? <laughs> yeah. The reality is we all need more, four hour, more than four hours of sleep and we need good quality sleep. And um, we need to really put ourselves first as entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, so in this past year, that's what I've been doing is shifting from everybody else first to me first. And that's been quite a shift. Um, and in my case, my burnout came as, um, uh, I don't want to, it's not a gift per se, but you know, I look at it a little differently than some people. I was diagnosed with cancer a little over a year ago. Mm. And so I had no choice but to to slow down and, and make a change. Yeah. And I had actually told somebody before I even found the, the lump, I said, if I don't change, I'm going to die. Cause I literally felt that sick and that burnt out. I knew that something was seriously wrong with me. I didn't know what I'd been feeling sick for some time. Yeah. And then when I found the lump, it was like, okay, now I know. And um, so I, uh, I started doing things to take care of me and, as I went along, I, I, I'm a marketer. So what did I do? I came up with a name for <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> nice. Good, good. <laughs> so I call it radical RX. And so people would say, what are you doing to, you know, to be more healthy? I say, I call it my radical RX. Yeah. And, um, I came up with what I call radical RX factors. And there's about 15 of them that I've come up with so far. And Wow. I can't even mention them all, but off the top of my head, like sleep is at the top of the list of important RX factors. Because if you don't sleep well, your body doesn't have time to recover. Yeah, yeah. And so sleep, exercise. I actually spent at least two hours a day at the gym. When I, right after I got diagnosed, I hired a personal trainer, started doing more massage therapy, all these things to, you know, help get better. Wow. And so I'd go to the gym, I would work out with my personal trainer, and then I'd go, I'd sit in the hot tub for 10 or 20 minutes, then I'd go to the steam room, and then I'd go to the sauna. So that was my half an hour or so of heat therapy. Yeah. 
because um, one of the things that has been shown to help keep cancer at bay or to kill it off is heat. Interesting. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. In fact, I, I went on the marketer's cruise last year and that was interesting too, because we, I had to have surgery to have the lump removed. And yeah. so it get, kept getting pushed off and pushed off. And then it was like going to be scheduled about the same time as me going on the cruise. And I said, oh. Nope, it's going to have to wait. I'm going on the cruise. And when I come back, we'll do it. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so while I was on the cruise, I got a, um, I got sick and got a fever. Mm. And so instead of taking aspirin or Tylenol to kill, to knock the fever out, I decided to write it out because that's some research has been done as well. Right. Saying that if you have a, they, they actually have done some research studies where they induce a fever in order to kill tumors. I was like, cause I was doing everything I could to kill off that tumor without having to do surgery. Right. And turns out I had to do the surgery because um, it was a pretty large lump when, by the time I found it. Yeah. But I'm pretty convinced that all these things that I did actually reduced the, um, the size of the tumor before they went in there. Because the, the pathologist was looking at it like, this looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't look, something's weird here. They thought it was like two lumps. Well, they said, no, it's actually it was like one that has two different pieces to it. So I feel like based on what I was feeling and what I was seeing in the pathology report that I actually had. That it started breaking it down. Up, it started breaking down. Yeah. You know, and but, it's funny now that you're talking about it, <clears throat> I'm thinking about as an adult, all the commercials for all the American drugs that I've seen, it, you know, uh, reduces fever, takes away fever or whatever. But I'm thinking even when I was a little kid, my mom would be, don't worry, sweetheart, you have a fever because your body's trying to kill the bad stuff. Wait, wait, why did we decide to help the body to not kill the bad stuff? <laughs> now that I think right? about it. Yeah. I mean, in some ways you have to be careful with fever because it can get dangerous, but, sure. um, and you know, the fevers that they were inducing with, um, in these trials were pretty really high fevers, but they were monitored. So, you know, I just, I wrote it out and it was about 24 hours and wow, then I was done. And, yeah. um, so on the cruise, I also had, there were some people that do some Reiki and uh, energy healing and I was on the beach and surrounded by three people doing energy healing on me. And I literally sunk up to my knees, almost to my knees. Really? The sand, because we were like at the edge of, out in the edge of the ocean. So I was standing with my feet in the ocean. My feet just kept sinking further and further down during the right. session. But it was the coolest thing because I just all that, you know, out, it was in, uh, the cruise was to Mexico. So. I think we might have been either in Cabo San Lucas at the time. It may have been where we were. Uh -huh. And um, anyway, it was just such an interesting experience to have that. And so that was also part of what I did was, you know, the energy healing. And, yeah. Wow. Now, uh, I think one of the things that you and I were talking about, um, oh, sometime in the last few months, it may or may not have been around the time that we had the last interview. Um, we were talking about plant-based eating and how you had also changed your eating habits. And in fact, you yes. got me so interested that I joined a Facebook group that you're in that's about plant-based eating and somebody posted a recipe that looked so easy, even I could do it because all I had to do is open cans and stir them in a bowl. And I've been <laughs> eating this really healthy stuff like for the last three weeks and it's just, oh, it's just so yummy. It's just to eat all these vegetables in a bowl. It's crazy. And how are you feeling? 
Well, it's not the only thing I eat, but uh-huh. I definitely am um, a believer that your body helps you to know what it needs. And when I think about, you know, what do I want to eat? A lot of times I'll think, oh, do I have any of that stuff made or do I have time to make it? So I'm thinking my body is saying, yeah, I'd love to have more of those vegetables. They're good. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing too, is that our bodies actually um, change so that we start craving that stuff. So I have my massage therapist. I've been going to him for a couple of years because I've had really bad foot pain and he would work wow. on my feet and and uh, loosen them up and I can walk again <laughs> without pain instead of limping around in pain all day. So he very strong vegan and was pushing me to become a vegan. And I was like, no, no, I can't do that. I could never do I could never give up meat, blah, blah, blah. You know? So finally I was feeling so sick and it was right around that time. I told somebody that I needed to make a major change. Um, I weighed 244 pounds and I was just dragging, I, I was sick as a dog and I was, he was working on me and he's like, go vegan. So I said, okay, you cook for me because he had, he brought me something he had cooked one time. And I, so I said, you cook for me for 30 days and I'll do vegan for 30 days. <laughs> he, he kind of chuckled. He said, oh, I'll think about it. <clears throat> so the next time I go in, he brings me a little piece of, uh, a little yellow sticky and it said purplecarrot.com. It's like, what's this? He said, I can't cook for you, but you can get meals delivered from them. Oh, wow. So I looked at that. I ended up actually going with a local one called Sprinley, where they were already prepared and it was all, um, they had vegan, well, Sprinley is all vegan plant-based foods. Oh, wow. And so I did a 21 day. I said, started doing my research said, okay, I'll do a 21 day challenge. And then I started watching all these YouTube videos of these doctors talking about plant-based eating. And next thing I know, I'm like really convinced that that's the way to go. So if you look at me now and look at me a year ago, I'm a totally different person. Wow. I've lost like 80 pounds or more. Um, Wow. Just from the, I didn't even try. And it wasn't, people think it was because I was sick that I lost the weight. I lost the weight because I went on the plant-based diet and I've scaled back a little bit from it, but I found myself starting to feel icky again. And so I've gone back to primarily because I had started eating, eating out more because I was so tired and fatigued because um, I, I went through chemotherapy this summer. Right. And, and it's just really hard to get any energy to do anything, let alone cook yeah. and eat right. <clears throat> so I'm not, I'm not hundred percent vegan and I don't know that I ever will be. Um, but I am primarily a plant-based eater now. So yeah. when I talk about plant-based eating, it's mostly fruits and veggies and, um, you know, some good grains and healthy, the healthy carbs. Right. So, you know, people talk about keto and going high fat, low carb and paleo and all that. I actually had tried all that in the past. And I lost weight. And then as soon as I quit eating that way, it all came back. Yeah. But with the plant-based eating, it's low fat and it's a higher carb diet because you're eating sweet potatoes and rice and, and then you eat beans and fruits yeah. and veggies. And I, you know, like you said, it's amazingly easy to cook that way. The cleanup is so much easier because you're not yeah. cleaning grease off the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, um, you know, I think it's a great way to eat. And the, the weight just fell off and I lost it slowly. So over 18 months, I lost the 80 pounds. Yeah. It wasn't a real, it wasn't a fast weight loss. I just, I, and I wasn't even focused on whether or not I was losing weight. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be when you're in the middle of, um, of other more important pressing health matters. Right, right. I was focused on, I wasn't focused on the weight. I was focused on eating right to, to be healthier and the weight just came off. I was focused on doing all those other parts of my radical RX to, to fight off the cancer. Yeah. And so, you know, I did the surgery in February and then afterwards they said, we're recommending you do chemo. And I was very anti-chemo. Yeah. So I said, okay, if I have to do this, I'm going to make the best of it. And I'm going to, so I started in my research, I had discovered that fasting and chemo are something people use together. And so I, every two weeks I fasted for three days. Wow. And the side effects from the chemo for me were minimal, which I believe was partly due to the fasting. Yeah. Because the fasting, the research shows that the fasting puts the good cells to sleep and makes the bad cells hungry. Oh. And so the good cells, if they're like not eating up the, the chemo drugs that are going through your system, you're more protected. And then if, if you've been fasting, those cancer cells, are they're looking for food. And so then they go attached to the chemo. Interesting. So you would fast for the three days before your chemo treatment? So two days before through 24 hours after. Okay. So it turned into about three days every two weeks. So then it was like, okay, so I didn't lose too much weight. I had to make sure I ate more than my normal. And that's when I also let a little, started letting more higher fat stuff come in back into my diet. Yeah. So I still lost a pound or two a week wow. during the chemo, but it wasn't like, like that three days of fasting, I would lose about five pounds because when you fast, you lose a bunch. And then you, when you start eating again, you'll gain a little bit of it back right away. Yeah. So I managed to do pretty good with that. Um, did some mistletoe therapy. That was part of my alternative stuff that I did. Interesting. And what is that? Is that like, is it in a powder form or a pill form? Or? You have to give yourself a shot in the belly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or somebody can give it to you, but I just, right. my, uh, my doctor who put me on that and my oncologist was great. You know, I was, I would go to her and I'd say, I'm thinking about trying this. And she's like, go for it. Really? So all this alternative stuff, like taking turkey tail, which is a kind of mushroom, and you get a powdered mushroom capsules. Interesting. Because that boosts your immune system. Now, the and turkey gonna... tail you can't do during chemo, some chemos because it can interfere with the chemo, But so I stopped then. But uh-huh. my the mistletoe comes from the mistletoe tree, and it's an extract, and then it's a liquid, and you have to take a syringe and pull it out of the little vial and shoot it up in your belly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's research around that. And it's interesting because in the U.S. they're just now starting to research it. Okay. Um, St. John's Hospital, I believe, is who's doing it. There's a website called believebig.org. Okay. That's devoted to um, researching and promoting the use of mistletoe therapy, especially here in the U.S., yeah. In Europe, in Germany and Switzerland, those two countries I know of, um, they're saying 60% of the cancer patients are on mistletoe therapy. Wow. Because what it does is it's a toxin, and so it stimulates your immune system. 
Oh. And so when your immune system's stimulated, it goes after your, um, after the cancer cells. Okay. And, um, the nurses were like, they, they literally are going, what is it? What are you doing? Because, (laughs) you know, when everybody else's numbers start up here and they take a nosedive, mine started up here and they dropped a tiny bit and then they stayed pretty steady. And she's, the nurses at the infusion center are just like, we don't see this. What are you, what are you doing? And so I told them, I was, you know, I kept them apprised in my radical RX. Yeah. Um, but things like humor that, that came in there. So when I, when I went to the infusion center, I nicknamed it chemo camp. <laughs> so. I remember I laughed when you told me, I think that's great <laughs> because they say laughter is a great medicine too. It is, you know, so I go to chemo camp and I had my little backpack full of stuff because I mostly water. I'd take my own water because they give you stuff in plastic bottles and I don't drink out of plastic anymore. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I'd take my water bottles and anything I thought I'd need. And, and I'd sit there in a chair and I, sometimes I'd sit there with my laptop and do a little bit of work. And there's pictures of me on Facebook. I was sitting in the chair with my laptop and my hands and feet are covered with um, ice because um, they call it cryotherapy. It can, some of the chemos can cause neuropathy, which okay. means your fingers and toes can go numb. Wow. Or become quite painful. And so by icing your fingers and toes during the chemo, it helps to, um, can, it can help to prevent that neuropathy. Interesting. Um, I personally believe, and, and one of the nurses that I talked to said she thinks the same thing from her research, but I personally believe that it's more about moving around during the, th- the chemo than yeah. it is about the ice. I think the icing helps, but instead of just sitting there for three hours, because some of those chemos were three hours long. Yeah. So instead of sitting there, I would take the little pole and I'd walk in circles around the infusion center. Yeah. And well, it makes sense because when you get, um, you know, what do we call it? Pins and needles. That's how I always referred to it. Um, pins and needles in your fingers or toes or someplace. Um, you know, it, partly it's because, as far as I can tell, it's because either I'm sitting or laying on a part of my body that's getting no blood flow or, but the way that I make it go away, of course, is to move around and then it yeah. hurts for a minute and then it goes away. So it makes sense to me from at least that kind of logic. Yeah. Cause when you're just sitting there during the chemo, <clears throat> the, it, all the blood will just pool in your extremities. And so yeah. the, the, the actual chemo drugs will end up pulling in your extremities but if you move around it keeps it flowing yeah so the ice the purpose of the ice is to keep it from getting into your extremities okay i was trying to figure it out i'm like i'm not following this one so either keep it it from getting there or move it around so it gets in and out quickly yeah the problem is as soon as you take off the ice then it all rushes back down there so that's where the movement comes in so the way i did it was i'd sit there in the chair with the ice on me for like 20 minutes, then I'd get up and move around for 10 or 20 minutes. And then I'd do it again. Cause yeah. it's hard to sit there. You can't really do three hours straight of icing yeah. without getting frostbite. So yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God. But I did some crazy stuff and my friends and I, we would just sit there and talk and laugh and you know, I, I you know, blessed the little machine and do, I really had to do a lot of mindset work this last year. Cause I was so anti-chemo. Yeah. My brother passed away 20 years ago from from cancer and mm. he had gone through chemo radiation and a bone marrow transplant wow and i was just like it was brutal yeah and so i said i'm 
told the doctors in the beginning, I said, I'm not going to do chemo or radiation. It's not going to happen. <clears throat> well, they convinced me to do the chemo because they showed me the pathology and all this research. And I said, okay, I'll do the chemo, but let's make the best of it. Yeah. Um, wow. But uh, yeah, it's uh, so, yeah. Okay. So I'm just trying to think of all the things that you said. So sleep, <laughs> good nutrition, um, let's see, humor and, and changing your mindset about things. Yeah. Um, and meditation. Meditation. Okay. Talk about that a little bit. Like what, so, how much, how, how often or. So I actually was meditating an hour or more a day. Wow. So I meditate usually twice a day. Um, Joe Dispenza has this um, book out called you are the placebo. Right. We were taught. That's another thing you and I were talking about. I, I have the book in a box. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love the book. And on Audible, you can buy a guided meditation that's like an hour long. Uh -huh. And so I would sit there and listen to this hour long guided meditation that just takes you through this whole process of visualizing yourself healthy and all that stuff. So I did that every day for a good six months. And I still do it now, but not every day. I do it a couple times a week usually. Yeah. But meditation can be as simple as just sitting and being quiet and even 10 minutes a day can help. And so one of the things I'm working on developing is a new morning routine. Because mm -hmm. when I, when I got diagnosed, I was like, okay, 8 PM is the uh, hard stop on work, which for me was usually when I was getting started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was a bit of an adjustment. So instead of starting at 8 p.m. and working till four or six in the morning, you know, I would, um, I had to be done by eight. So I had to shift. And then nine o'clock, I was actually crawling into bed and I'd sit there from nine to 10 or so meditating in bed. And I'd usually fall asleep to some meditation music. Nice. Um, but then the morning routine is to get up and just sit and be quiet. Um, part of my radical RX is green tea. So supplements okay. are you know, taking different natural supplements. Um, and so green tea has been shown to be beneficial. So in the morning I have a cup of ceremonial green tea and got, got a couple of it right here. And you have to have a little whisk because it's a powder and you put your powder in there and you whisk it up and it's, some people don't like the taste, but I love it. I, I really like the taste of it. So, so this is my cup. Okay. This is something different from green tea and a tea bag that you buy in the grocery store? Well, that works too, but the really good stuff is called matcha and it's a ceremonial. If you look for, cause there's, you'll see matcha green tea sold a lot. It can become in a bag and, and sometimes it's in um, the loose leaf right. in a bag or you can put it in a, a little filter. I forget what you call those things. Strainer thing. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I have like four tea. of them, but I don't know if the names of them come to think of it. <laughs> you can make your tea with that. But the, um, the thing about the ceremonial matcha is it's powdered. So you're actually ingesting the entire tea leaf because it's in a right. powder. So you're not just running the water through the leaf to get the stuff. You're actually ingesting the entire leaf in a powdered form. That makes sense. And does it yeah. taste similar? It tastes similar. It's a, okay. it's a different taste. And for some people, it's a little harsh, but once yeah. you get used to it, then 
I, I actually love the taste of it. And I look forward to my morning tea and just sitting and relaxing. And I sit in the dark, you know, if it's dark in the morning, I don't turn on the lights. I just, whatever, yeah, whatever ambient light there is coming in the windows. That's what I just sit there and I just quietly drink my tea and meditate and really just try to focus on what my day is going to look like. Yeah. And no, that's another thing. So there's a ton of great information here for anybody who's listening, who has health issues that are trying to figure out how to deal with, or maybe, you know, going through or following up after cancer or someone else in your family. But also there's a lot of these things, like, as far as I know, I'm healthy right now. I mean, aside from trying to get over this bronchitis, which is on the way out, it's still got one foot in the door, but the monster is gone. So thank goodness for that. But so as a moderately healthy person, I'm just going to say it because I need to um, think about these mindset shifts. I am a healthy person. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so, so some of these things include mindset shifts, meditation, good health. Um, we haven't talked about it yet, but probably drinking lots of water. That's what I've always heard and practiced myself. Good sleep. Yep. Um, so a lot of these things would be good ways to um, continue your good health or to improve mediocre health, right? Yes. Don't yeah. wait till you get cancer. <laughs> That's my message. That's why I'm talking about the Radical RX is don't wait until you burn yourself out so badly that your body just starts developing tumors because that's not, <laughs> that's not, not a good way to go. So, yeah. you know, I look at this last year and people talk, I, I really had a hard time with this whole idea of, you know, battling cancer and all this stuff. And, and I started thinking of it more as a journey that I'm on a journey to, to health instead of I'm battling cancer. I'm on this journey. <clears throat> One yeah, it the, does sound <clears throat> more positive. <laughs> exactly. So part of my mindset set shift is to start thinking in terms of, I am a healthy person. I'm, and I visualize myself as healthy. Um, but with the radical RX, it just has given me a way to kind of formulate it into some, a plan I can follow. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, so I also, in back to the whole bit about a journey, somebody gave me some little bo pink blo boxing gloves. And it's, nice. there's an organization out there, I forget what it's called, but it says fight pretty. And so <laughs> and I'm like, I really kind of skewed all the pink stuff for the longest time because it, it was breast cancer yeah. that I had. And um but then I realized, you know what, sometimes on this journey, we have to put on our boxing gloves and fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's when I was going through the chemo, that's what I was doing. I was putting on the boxing gloves and I was fighting. I was like, right. okay, we're going to knock you down, whatever might be left. Because there was no sign of cancer when I went through the chemo. Wow. And the doctors are like, yeah, we really should do this. And my oncologist, there's other things that I've said, you know, I don't want to do it. She's like, okay, I'm fine with that like radiation they recommended and I turned it down and she said she was okay with that, yeah. which is unusual for, you know, um, that's why I love my oncologist because she's so supportive. Yeah. And just um, in case anyone's curious, um, like, is there a name of a medical facility she's at in case someone in your area is like, I want to see someone different. I'm just curious. So she is at the VA. So here's the other thing. Um, I'm a vet. And because I've been self-employed all these years, I couldn't afford health insurance. And the VA is available to all vets. And a lot of vets don't know that. 
Yeah. And I learned that I'd been out for probably six years when I was, when I discovered that I was actually eligible. And I think when I first got out, I wasn't eligible. And then they changed the rules that you didn't have to be medically discharged. Okay. And so I got in the VA system because I didn't have insurance and I've been using the VA since about 2000. Wow. And, and you've had a good experience. I have had great experience. Wow. And I'll tell you what, it's surprising because people always like when I say, I, where the, they say, where do you get your care? And I say, I get it at the Cleveland VA. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, don't be. I'm happy about it because, yeah. you know, I've got the, some of the best doctors in the world actually, wow. you know, are there. They, they're trained at the Cleveland Clinic. And... Um, They've got Cleveland Clinic, University Hospital. They're all trained through those hospitals. And so they're all great doctors and great service, great, great, great care. I can't say good enough things about the VA. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I don't mean to sound so surprised, but I got out of the service, out of the Marines after 85 days medically discharged from boot camp. And um, a VA representative came to my house way up in Northern Michigan. So like five or six hours from the nearest VA facility. And um, which if, if you um, look at a map, you can figure out where I'm not going to say the name, but he said, if there's anything at all you can do, do not go to this VA facility because you will come out of there worse than when you went in. <laughs> he just scared the crap out of me and my mom. And I never went to a doctor because we couldn't afford it. But he said, don't go there. It'll be worse than not going. So that was, that was all I knew about the VA. Yeah. And that's how many years ago? Oh yeah. That was 1987. So yeah, that's, and that's what I tell people is because people think about that old type experience. of experience. Uh -huh. Yeah. The old experiences, you know, after I, I always had this picture of the VA as, you know, people on gurneys in hallways because right. of the movies you saw from the seventies of the guys coming back from Vietnam. And, and back then I wouldn't want to go to, would not have wanted to go to the VA. Yeah. And so I was a little leery of it in the beginning, but that somebody, you know, I was convinced to do it and I've had very good experiences. That's great. And some VA hospitals are better than others. Um, Tucson had a great VA. And I remember sitting in the waiting room one time and somebody had come down from Phoenix to use the Tucson VA. And I was like, well, isn't there a Phoenix VA? He's like, yeah, but nobody goes there if they can have a choice. <laughs> All right. So 20 years ago, people didn't want to go to the Phoenix VA. Yeah. Um, but now, even the Phoenix VA is getting better, but Cleveland VA has always been one of the top facilities and it is considered one of the top facilities in the country for the VAs. Wow. Um, and they've actually had me come in and be on two different panels because they're doing great things there to try to improve their services. Yeah. And they invited me and several other um, vets to come sit on a panel to give them feedback about our experiences so that wow. they can improve. And it sounds so, like at least some of the doctors there are interested in holistic, natural approaches to contributing to the medicine that they do. Yes. Yeah. And not all of them are that way. I, yeah. I don't know if I happen to get, you know, the more open ones. Cause I, when, one day I was in infusion and my oncologist was out of town. And so one of her colleagues did rounds and, and talked to me a little bit and she said, something. And I said, well, I'm fasting. And she's like, oh, I don't recommend that. And I was like, well, what kind of answer is that? Yeah. She's saying, well, why are you fasting? 
And that's, that's been my pet peeve with doctors is they just, oh, I don't recommend that instead of saying, well, why, you know, and, yeah. and then, so I explained why I was doing it and that my oncologist was totally on board with it. And so yeah. she's like, oh, okay. And that you felt and, and numbers showed that this was actually helping you. Yes. Yeah. And the problem is that so many people get so sick that they don't eat and then they lose too much weight. Uh, right. But, you know, I, I was being very conscientious about how I did it too. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's not, there's a, a guy that does what he calls a fasting mimicking diet where it's just minimal calories because some, most people can't completely fast for three straight days. <laughs> I've tried to do it for one day and I just feel, I mean, now I recognize that my feeling of feeling sick by the end of the 24 hours is because there's so many toxins that are washing out of my system, which I didn't fully get then. But um, still, I would, I would be hangry and um, just really temperamental. And I could not focus at all on work. I'm like, I can't just not work for a few days. And so I just, <laughs> I tried a few different ways, a few different times, and I never quite got it. So sometime I'm going to ask you like, okay, what are some other things I can try that like work me towards something well, I can healthy. tell you something right now you can try. Well, great. Our, then everyone will get to hear it. <laughs> because fasting is one of my radical RX factors. And intermittent fasting is what people, you've probably heard people talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's actually more accurately described as time-restricted feeding. Ah. So what you do is you only eat during a certain, what we call a feeding window. Uh -huh. And so I do 16 hours of not eating and I have an eight hour feeding window. And so <clears throat> what that does is it starts getting your body into a different cycle of how your cells regenerate and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's a lot of science behind it. It's really interesting. Okay. So I have to ask you a question. John and I started noticing five or 10 years ago that if we could, um, hurry up and eat whatever we were going to eat for dinner and be done eating by six or six thirty at night. We slept better. We felt better. We didn't gain weight. So this has something to do with that. We were shrinking the feeding window and helping our bodies to do all the other things they were supposed to be doing besides digesting food. Is that? Yes. Yes. That's. Uh -huh. And so the intermittent fasting does a couple things for you. One, it gets your body into a healthier state, but it also, um, that, that weight loss, it actually helps promote the weight loss because your body's not um, sitting there trying to digest while you're sleeping and everything else. So that was um, part of, I think part of the reason I lost the weight was because I did the intermittent or time-restricted feeding. And mm -hmm. I started doing that probably, I think I even started that before some of my other Radical RX stuff, like in this, um, uh, in the summer of last year. Yeah. Because I started in, it was like in April that I started the, April of 2018, I started doing the, um, the Radical RX. Mm -hmm. I started, I did the vegan diet and started just really focusing on my health more. Yeah. And that somewhere in that time frame is when I started learning about um, doing that um, intermittent fasting. Okay. And is that something that you mostly do on a daily basis? Yeah. I, there are days when I don't, you know, I exceed my window or I'll eat later yeah. at night than normal. And yeah, I just Go don't worry about it as long as, as long as I'm, you know, doing it most of the time, I find that 
I feel better. Um, and that will help it that way. If you start doing that and you, and you're eating, like if you go plant-based and really get a lot of the toxic processed foods and stuff like that out of your system, yeah, you don't end up with that hangriness when you do a longer fast. Oh. And so when I fast now, um, I, I can go three days without eating and actually have more energy. Wow. So I have I heard that. I didn't understand how. Okay. Yeah. So you actually, you can actually end up with more energy, more clarity when you do the fasting. It's, yeah. There's, you can go down that rabbit hole. I, I went down the fasting rabbit hole. Um, there's a True North Health Center. Something, it's, it's called True North and it's in Northern California. And it's a fasting center where you can go and do a medically supervised fast. Ah. And Dr. Goldhammer has written a book about fasting and, and all this. And he's had a lot of experience with helping people heal through okay. fasting. Wow. And I've, I was considering trying to go to the facility to do it, but it's like, it's to do a 30 to 40 day session there. Cause people yeah. will actually fast for 30 full days Wow. under supervision. I, that seems a lot to me. The longest I've done is almost five days. Yeah. Wow. Um, but they, they make you rest and fast and it just gives your body this chance to heal because your body's focused now on healing as opposed to processing the food that you're putting into it. Yeah. And um, so when you say you get hangry, when you try to fast for an extended period, try getting in the habit for a couple of weeks of doing the time restricted feeding and, and cleaning up your diet before you start fasting. And okay. it'll probably be a totally different experience. Oh, wow. Okay. Now I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in this. Now, another part of my brain is going, but all those Christmas goodies are not. <laughs> I'll I don't mind feeling sick for two weeks while I eat Christmas food, but I have a feeling that that's actually not going to be how I feel. We went to Michigan for kind of a funeral memorial thing um, the week before last. And um, it was great on the one hand, being with all of our families on both sides and eating all of those favorite foods that we'd eaten, uh, been eating growing up and everything. And um, also all the wonderful foods that had recently come into our foodie town, our town that wasn't a foodie town when we lived there. <laughs> they grow their own wine there and stuff. And oh my gosh, we ate and drank so much and it was so delicious. But um, I definitely felt by the last day, I think we were there for um, five or six days total, but by the last day, we were like driving to the airport. I'm like, you know, we still got $9 left on that Starbucks card and we can't use it in Sweden. We can only use it when we're, when we're here in the U.S. And who knows, you know, will we lose it before the next time we come over here? Like my, my one mentality was like, you need to use the things that you've got, use it up. And, and both of us were like, I can't, I, I just can't eat or drink another sugary thing. I just can't do it. If we lose the card, we lose the card. But I was like, and um, that last piece of pie, no. We were like, I, my brain wants it. My body's like, please don't give me any more of that sugary pie. <laughs> and once you get off the sugar, you don't even miss it. You know, um, Thanksgiving of 2018, I actually, um, we go to our, um, my mom's cousins for dinner every year. And so I actually cooked up some squash with a vegan stuffing in it. And I took my own meal because I knew that everything there was going to be processed and or covered in marshmallows. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so um, it was really yummy. You know, I had this really yummy meal and 
so you can actually do a lot of things where you're not torturing yourself. And I don't tell people to try to cut it all out because, you know, some people need to. And I know that if I start eating sugar, I'm going to go down that rabbit hole and just eat every piece of sugar in sight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but once I'm out, got it out of my system, then I don't really crave it. And so for you, maybe you try to stay away from it because it, your body treats it like an addiction. It would just, it wouldn't let you stop if you started. Yeah, it, it okay. triggers for me to start eating it a lot. So I, I still do. I've got some um, chocolate bars. And so I'll eat a, bit, a little bit of chocolate. But even with that, I have to be careful not to sit there and eat the whole chocolate bar. Yeah. You know, a little yeah. tiny piece once or twice a day. Okay. Yeah. You know, but um, that whole thing about everything in moderation, I think there's some value to that. But at the same time, I think there's times when you have to say, Nope, not going to even touch that. Yeah. And so, you know, I've completely cut alcohol out of my system and that's been a big help. Yeah. Um, I had after, during, during and after the chemo, I had this period where I was just craving so much sugar and eating it. And then I'm finally gotten back to, I was feeling like crap. And so got that out of my system, starting to feel better. Yeah. So all the people that tell me, well, I don't like veggies, what I tell them is to, to try it, do a 21 day challenge, try it. And if you don't cut out all the meat, fine, but cut back on how much meat and really just focus on eating as many vegetables as you can yeah. and fruits for, for that 21 days. And what you'll notice, what, what most people discover is that their um, taste buds change. Yeah. And also, if you're trying things that you've never had, or have somebody who really knows how to cook, say, a Brussels sprout, in a way that you're like, holy crap, can I have more? <laughs> I, mean, I cook a Brussels sprout, and I like Brussels sprouts, but if I cook them, I don't know what I do, but they're gross, and I, I don't want to eat <laughs> I Brussels sprouts are one of my favorite, broccoli and Brussels sprouts. I actually think I like Brussels sprouts better than broccoli now. Wow. Um, but there's a couple ways. I used to cut them in half. And I'd put olive oil into my cast iron skillet and I'd lay them down on their half side in the olive oil to, to pre, pre-cook them a little bit. And then I'd stick them in the oven and roast them in the oven for oh. 20 or 30 minutes in that cast, same cast iron skillet. Then oh. I'd pull it out, set it on the stove, and I'd take balsamic vinegar and drizzle it and then just mix it up. And I think when I first started making them, I used to put bacon in too. But that's how now, I, <laughs> now bacon's on my do not eat list. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, I'll do a bite of it, bacon just because it tastes so good. But yeah, um, I get I'm actually at the point where I'm not even enjoying the taste of things that I used to like the taste of. Yeah. So much now. So but anyway, now what I do for my Brussels sprouts is because I got away from using oil uh-huh. is I get a nonstick pan and um, Whole Foods has pre-shredded broccoli, uh, Brussels sprouts. Uh-huh. So I don't have to chop them up. I just take a half a bag, throw them in a pan with a little bit of water, and I saute, water saute them. Huh. And you can get them a little bit brown in a, in a non-stick pan. Okay. Now water saute them, then I add mushrooms and onions and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's, I, I could eat that every day and never get tired of it. Yeah. And then I put it over rice and beans and um right 
and that becomes my staple. It's not, I don't have a lot of variety in what I do. Some people like in that plant-based group, I love it because people are always, always posting these great, uh, great recipes. And, yeah. um, but I, I just don't have the time or the energy to do a lot. So I do a lot yeah. of, and batch cooking. So if you're looking for recipes, there's a couple ways to go. Um, Joel Furman, Dr. Furman is, okay. he's got a book called Eat to Live. Eat to Live. Oh, I think I've heard of this. Yeah. He, um, Kathleen talks about that in her, it's the, the Facebook group's called Plant-Based Eating for Health. And um, she started that about, Kathleen and I had a conversation. I told her I had gone vegan and she's like, what? <laughs> and then like within a couple months, she had started looking into vegan stuff. And because um, I guess she, she, I don't know if it was my conversation with her that caused her to look at it in the first place, but then she started getting stalked with ads for uh, on YouTube. She was watching other YouTube videos about stuff and all the plant-based stuff started coming into her YouTube feed. Funny. And so she went down the rabbit hole and now she's 100% vegan and running this group. Wow. So since uh, you mentioned it, it must be open to anyone. Yes, it is open to anyone. And okay. you just go and you can request to join. And so, but she talks about the book. That's where I was going with that long tirade. She talks about <laughs> Joel Furman's book in, in her group. And it's one of the things she recommends. Okay. And it's called Eat to Live. And so I, high, I highly recommend that. The nice thing about that is you don't have to, he actually has like chicken and other foods in that. He, he encourages people to go 100% plant-based, but he also is very practical that people, most people are not going to. Yeah. And so he has some recipes in the book and he actually has a cookbook called Eat to Live. Okay. Um, but what I did, I, I just watched YouTube videos. Um, so there's a, the plant-based the Whole Food Plant-Based Cooking Show okay. is one of the YouTube channels that I watch. And this woman that she's gone whole, you know, whole uh, plant-based, yeah. she follows Joel Furman's stuff. Um, his, and he talks, what he calls it, G-bombs, greens, <laughs> beans, onions, mushrooms, and berries. Ah. And there, I forget what the S is, but maybe it's just a G-bomb. But anyway... Those are the things he recommends you eat every day. Wow. And so he talks, you can find YouTube videos about how to make a great salad. And a, you, you can do it all. The book makes it easy, but yeah. you can find it all on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I have to is, say a YouTube video would make it easier for me. Someone who doesn't like to cook and doesn't consider herself a good cook because I don't like it. <laughs> so I would look at Chef AJ as well. Chef okay. AJ, like um, Alpha Juliet. Um, she, she, um, she does a cooking show on YouTube as well. Okay. And, um, she calls it, refers to it as SOS, salt, oil, and sugar-free. Oh, nice. And, you know, she tells her story about how she lost weight and, um, through, cause she was a vegan for 40 years, but she was a fat vegan cause she was eating vegan junk food. Interesting. And so there's a whole nother tirade I could go on. You know, everybody, yeah. the big trend now is vegan and even Disney is serving vegan foods. Right. But you go to these places and it's a Beyond Burger and all this fake vegan stuff. And that stuff isn't, it's probably healthier than eating meats, but it's still not all that healthy because it's not whole food. It's processed. Ah, right. 
Okay. And so yeah. that's why the that one cooking show is the whole food plant-based cooking show. I see. Okay. Um so wow. Okay. We could keep on going with research. this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I'll try to get some of these links in the show notes. So everybody who's listening, um, I'll, I'll try to get a lot of them, but you might just need to stop this podcast a few times and write down the things and Google them. But um, there is one other thing that I wanted to talk about real briefly. I know we're running long, but um, you had just started to go into it and then we changed topic. I can't remember why. Um, so when you decided that you had to stop working at eight and you had to get a good night's sleep and then you, um, you decided to have a different morning routine and you would have the tea and meditate and try to like just, you know, start your day with this new way of doing things. That automatically limited the number of working hours that you now have per day, which yes. means that over time, uh, there is a certain amount of work that will, if you never increase those hours, there's a certain amount of things that may or may not have been on your to-do list, but I'm talking about me. I know that there are things that will never get done. And I was telling you when we were offline that um, I'm still at a place where I'm a little frustrated, not really being able to figure out, but what should I do? I know prioritize, but, but how do I um, come to grips with the fact that there are things that I have put on my to-do list that I used to be able to do when I worked 16 hours a day and knew right. I would eventually get to, that now if I'm going to treat myself more, more lovingly and, and healthfully, um, they're just not going to get done. And some of those things, like you said, um, not specifically pointing at men, just that there's a lot of men writing business books about work 20 hours a day, who needs more than four hours of sleep, uh, hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, but when those are not the ways that you're going to run your life, um, I still get those emails. And so I'm always tempted to add 42 more things to my to my to-do list. And then I just get frustrated. So there must have been a point where you tried to figure out and came to some sort of satisfactory conclusion how you were going to handle this. <laughs> uh, that's probably been the hardest thing I've had to do is to figure out what to let go of. I mean, I've actually let go of clients. Wow. Um, a, a dear friend of mine has been a client for five years and we finally had to say, Hey, I can't do this anymore because um, the nature of her business becomes somewhat chaotic and so that chaos lands in my lap and it was always last minute stuff you know it's like oh I've got this thing and I just told everybody that it's going out tomorrow and, I, and I'm like and so what you want me to drop everything so that you're not looking stupid for <laughs> telling people it's going out yeah um and I used to drop everything and get it done for her. and so I had to let go of that those kinds of clients that were yeah you know, draining me and so one of the things I've done is I use Google Calendar to, to, to run my life. Mm -hmm. And I do time blocking. So I actually, on my calendar, first thing in the morning, it says, make your bed. And I don't know if you mentioned you saw a former Army um, general or somebody did a graduation speech at a college. And he talked about, you know, if you want to have a successful life, make your bed. Well, you know, I never made my bed except when I was forced to by the military. Yeah, um, I remember that. <laughs> or by mom and dad as a kid, right? Yeah. It's like, why should I make my bed when I'm just going to mess it up again? That's night, what John right? says. Yeah. And then like, I don't want to be the one who has to make the bed every day, 365 days a year. Cause the other of the two people says, why are we just going to mess it up again tonight? But sorry, keep going. <laughs> so what I've discovered is by putting that on my thing, it's, it's an anchor habit for me. 
And um, I've been working with Shane Johnston ab about some different things. And he's, he told me about a book called Atomic Habits. And it talks about building, building habits because it takes 66 days to create a new habit. And so if you can create one small habit and then create another, uh, so it's incremental habits, of, right. so to speak. Yeah. And so that morning routine becomes meditate or when I make my bed, I start thinking, okay, now I've got to go meditate time, you know, and that, so that triggers me in my mind to go get my tea and meditate. And then the meditation is to set the focus filter for the day. So one of the things I do is at night, my, the last thing on my calendar says plan the day. And I actually can check off if I did it because a Google calendar, if you do it on mobile, has a thing called goals. Ah. And so you can, it'll, you can say, I want to do it every day. I want to do it three times a week. You can say how often to schedule it. Yeah. So I was scheduling um, the make your bed is a daily goal that I can check off as did it or not did it. And so it's like, part of that is I want to go check that thing off. Right. Yeah. But so what I do with scheduling my day is at night after I'm done, I look at all the things I didn't get done and say, okay, what's going to push to the next day. And I'll drag and drop things. Cause I actually put project tasks on my calendar as block time and say, Oh, I think this will take me an hour. So I'll block out an hour and I may block it out. So I'll schedule out a whole week, but inevitably here's to your question at the end of the day, I've got, I call it a stack of tasks because they're all sitting on top of each other at the end of the day because I didn't do them. And so they're all stacked up for me to move them and reschedule them later in the week. Right. So what I find is these stacked tasks keep moving from day to day. And after a week or so, I look at it and I'm like, that's been following me around for a week. Delete. Wow. <laughs> and I delete it off of my calendar. I think to myself, what's going to happen if I don't do this? What's really, really, really going to happen? what's the worst thing that can happen if I don't do this? And yeah. then I'm like, delete. And then it's gone. And I don't think about it anymore. Wow. Unless it comes up and, and you're like, okay. And, I guess and it's I'm like, if it's important, it'll come back. Okay. Wow. And this is scary. <laughs> it is. It's really scary to do that because you're letting go of things you think you should do. Yep. There's that word. The should. So one of the things with that morning routine is to set that focus filter. Um, the one thing is another book that's a great read about yes. why, you know, the power. What, um, Simon Sinek wrote a couple, couple of these books, but um, the one thing and something about your why, and I can't remember the exact title of the book, but. Oh yeah. The, is it the power of why or. It might be the power of why, but. Yeah. Anyway, those, it's great the concept books. is that if you know your why, why are you doing what you're doing? And what is the one thing that you have to do that day in order to move your business forward? And if you think of it as what's the one thing I have to accomplish instead of, oh, crap, I've got 20 things on my schedule today. I'm never going to get them all done. And you sit there and ruminate, what should I do first? If you set your focus filter for the day and say, what is the one thing? that I really need to do today to move my business forward. Forget about everything else and just focus on doing that one thing. Yeah. You're going to find your business is going to be way more successful than trying to do all the things. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have a lot more peace about it all. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, just bringing that in a little bit tighter to the focus of writers and other creatives who will who'll be listening. Um, I was just listening to um, the 21st Century Creative with Mark, I want to say McGinnis. I have a lot of podcasts on my phone, but, but I think that's <laughs> the one. And I was listening to one of his episodes that talks about um, for writers or creative people, um, your assets are the only thing that make you money. So what do you need to do? You need to make sure that you are creating all the assets you can. So for instance, if you've got a book, do you have the book in print and ebook and audiobook, large print? You know, like what are, have you created all the assets that you can um, without necessarily always um, pushing yourself to create brand new assets? Because sometimes <clears throat> you can make as much or more money and in less time, like definitely making more money per hour in that way. And now I am sort of veering off slightly from what he was saying. Um, if you have all the assets that you can make out of, you know, this creative project that you've done. So for instance, a painter might uh, look into making prints or postcards. My friend makes her, uh, she sells her prints for, uh, you know, like a fair, fairly good amount of money. And then, uh, sorry, she sells the original painting you know, that, that's a lot of money. A print yeah. is significantly less, but then you can also buy it as a postcard or a greeting card or something else. So she has all these different price points and all of these different products out of one painting that she did. You know, and then I mentioned books for me and different things like that. So, um, so when I think of what is the one thing, I'm thinking, what can I do with my assets? Because that will move my business forward. So maybe, you know, writers listening might be thinking, what can I do with my assets? Do I have any yet? Then I need to finish the book. The only first book that I'm working on, I need to finish the book. If I already have the book, I need to get the book published, whether it's traditionally published or self-published. If I've got it published, do I have it published in all the different formats that people would buy it? Is it available for sale at all the different stores that people can buy it? Like there's all these different ways that you can look at a single product and make it into tanner. 20 products, you know, depending on what it is, right. um, and be managing your assets, which is the one thing rather than sometimes I know you have to think about what is the one thing I need to do today. But if you can keep in mind the why and the one thing in the big picture in order to help you focus on the one thing today, that helps me. Because otherwise, the one thing today is for too long was me looking at my to-do list and saying, which of these things should I do first, which is not the same thing. Yeah, um, I actually do a combination of the two. So knowing what the one thing is in the big picture is, um, and Shane actually had me do what he calls a perfect day exercise. Um, and in that perfect day exercise, you sit down and you really visualize what does my perfect day look like? And how can I create my life to be able to have that perfect day? So that becomes the guidelines for what the one thing is. And each day, you know, is, are these things moving me toward that perfect day? Yeah. Are these things moving me toward that um, business outcome that I'm looking for? And when you look at it in that frame of mind, it's not about, you know, am I going to get yelled at if I don't do this thing because a client wanted it? Right. Am I going to get, you know, it's more about what's the thing that's going to move me forward. Yeah. I finally had to get to the point where I'm like, I'm going to have clients that are going to be pissed off at me because I didn't get this done. And I just had to say, they're going to, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. And, and let it go. 
And so that's one way to do it. Also, every time I sit down to do something, I say, who else could do this for me? If I bill out at X number of dollars per hour and I'm sitting here doing bookkeeping, who could do that for me? And or I'm sitting here, you know, answering support tickets on the help desk. Why am I doing that when I've got staff that could be doing it? So a lot of the stuff I've been doing in the past, I had to say, who could do it for me? So every task that hits my, um, hits my task list now, I look at it and I say, do I have to do this? Does it have to be done at all? If it does, do, do I have to be the one to do it or can I give it to somebody else to do? Yeah, yeah. And while you're talking about staff, some people may currently have no staff, but you can still be asking, is there somebody else who can do it cheaper than um, the opportunity cost of me doing it? If, it, if exactly. it's a, yeah, yeah. Opportunity cost is one of my favorite con concepts in life. <laughs> and, you know, you can get a VA overseas um, at a really reasonable rate. Yeah. Um, you know, some people pay two or $3 an hour for their VAs. Holy I, smoke. I actually prefer to pay a little higher because I get good quality and good, you know, pe you get people that'll become loyal members of your team when you pay them well. Yeah. So I try to pay my team well and treat them well. And so every time I look at something, it's like, if I'm doing $10 an hour work, I'm losing money. So yeah. if, you if you reset your mind frame to sit mindset to go, Oh, if I'm sitting here doing bookkeeping, it means I'm losing money. If I'm sitting here answering help desk tickets, I'm losing money. And when you start thinking of it in terms of that, then it becomes, you know, a lot easier than to start outsourcing some of the tasks on your list. So, you know, just getting rid of them all together and outsourcing are the two solutions. Really. Yeah. And just to be and, clear for anybody who's not following, if you, if you can get another client who will pay you $40 an hour, but you're spending that time doing bookkeeping and so you don't have time for another client. The point is if you hired somebody for $10 an hour, I'm just saying, I don't know, I'm just using numbers, um, $10 an hour to do the bookkeeping so that you now have time for this $40 an hour client in a single hour, you've made $30 more than you would have. So that's why we're saying you're losing money by doing some of the work yourself. Yeah. And, and the trick is, when you're, you know, just struggling to get by, you feel like you have to do all the things. Yes, exactly. And I say I'm now on a mission to no longer be the doer of the things. Nice. <laughs> and I want to be the manager, the person managing the doers. So, right. Um, but it's really hard when you're, when, when the funds are tight, it can be really difficult because it seems like, well, it just makes more sense to do this. Yeah. But if you would take that hour or two that you were sitting around doing those menial tasks and go out and get another client, then you could afford to pay somebody to do those tasks. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's a huge, huge mindset shift. And it's not easy. That's the first yeah. thing I'll tell you. It's not easy to do. I still struggle with it every day, which is why the morning routine is so important to get that filter for the day so that I'm not just bouncing around and I'm not perfect a few days ago I was like I got up early and did my morning routine and then I just ruminated like I just couldn't get my head around doing this one task I needed to do and I kept doing all these little piddly things and never got to the big task yeah 
So <laughs> yeah, it happens. <laughs> it does. And you just have to be kind to yourself too and not feel like you're, because for me, not getting something done is, feels like a failure. Yeah. Me too. So that was really hard for me. And that's one of the reasons why I always felt like, okay, I'm going to pull an all night or get, get this done. Cause I'm not going to disappoint somebody and be a failure. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realized, you know what, you're not a failure if you don't get all the things done. It's, yeah. there's, it's a fact of life that there's no way you're going to get them all done. Yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> really your radical RX while we started talking about health, um, initially talking about healing from uh, uh, sickness and then health in general, and then, but what do I do now with my business that now has less of my time if I'm going to really take better care of myself, but then maybe I can actually be presenting an opportunity to somebody else who gets a few more hours of work, you know, because I hired them through, you know, one of these websites or organizations or whatever. Um, and then I end up getting better quality clients, clients that works for me and my personality. We were talking a little bit about some of your clients. It just wasn't the right match for you. Um, mm -hmm. So altogether, it's kind of circling around to be, uh, I don't know, the circle of life and business and health. <laughs> well, so yeah, I've, I've looked at it. I'm like, I've got radical RX for life, radical RX for business. The radical RX concepts can be applied to business, life, sports even. Right. You know? It really, and it's just a, like a marketing term I came up with because it gave me some focus. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, you can apply it to your business. You can apply it to your life, all that stuff. And as entrepreneurs, our life and our business become one. Yes. And that's another thing that I think is kind of important is to, to have time to just shut down and be away from business. And so I have two mobile phones and on one of them, well, on both of them, I now have notifications turned off for most of the stuff. So I have a business phone and a personal phone and I'll set them aside. I, not, half the time, I don't even know where my phones are because I'm not tied to them anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then you leave your business phone in the office or something from eight o'clock at night. Yeah. So it's nice. Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is awesome. And I'm not trying to put anything else on your to-do list, but I do hope that you write some articles or blog posts or books or something and, and um, share this information. It's so helpful. Yeah. I will probably find an editor to curate all my um, journal entries and my notes and That's all that great stuff idea. To, to create a, to get a book, a, a ghostwriter probably at some yeah. point. Because I've, I've got some stories to tell from back when I was in the Navy and stuff. So I think I'm going to, I've always said I have a book in me. Yeah. Like in the mid nineties, I thought I was going to write a book. Didn't know about what. Well, now I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. So in the meantime, if people want to uh, hear a little bit more about you, what you're doing, that sort of thing, uh, is there a place that they can go? Yeah. So, um, you know, you talked about my businesses, but I'm going to give you my, I'm really focusing on my turning into doing more coaching now. And so coachellen.com is a domain I registered years ago, and I'm starting to use that again. So you can go to coachellen.com and learn a little bit about me. I, everything's kind of outdated on my site right now, but I'll get it updated when I... That's right. In the right <laughs> time, right? <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll, as I can, I'll start putting resources up there and I may do a Radical Rx site, but right for now, CoachEllen.com is probably Excellent. the best way to find out well, more about me. 
whenever you have time to write a blog blog post that just lists those 15 items that you said were part of the <laughs> radical rx man i will repost it for you or across social media so people All can right. have this information it's wonderful well another book is called radical remission and it has nine factors oh. or nine whatever she called them and so that was kind of the start of my radical rx oh this is a book someone else already wrote somebody else wrote radical remission which okay. is all about healing from diseases with and and so my radical rx takes some of those factors and adds my own twist nice. to what she had come up with so awesome all right well that's something people can check out until you get your stuff written <laughs> Yeah, so I could spew a whole bunch of resources, but I needed, like you said, I need to get them on the web. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Ellen, thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to go try, uh, I think, several of the things that you suggested. Yeah, just uh, be kind to yourself and don't beat yourself up when you feel like you're not getting to where you want to be. And that's probably the number one factor. Mm -hmm.